Hi friends, welcome to the Wabi Sabi podcast. This is episode number 118. We are going to give you a juicy free gift today and that means a preview of my new book Spirited. I actually have a few chapters that I can share with you here and there along with meditations at the end of the book and breathing techniques. So the book is free for you if you set up an audible account you can pre-order it now on audible.com you can check it out at audible.com slash spirited and i also wanted to share with you today uh the reason why i wrote this book and why it took five years for those of you who feel like you have been grinding forever and that nobody has fucking noticed you well i do my hands on my heart I had a really long convo with one of my dear friends who has been even a publicist of mine back in the day, almost 20 years ago, Amanda Coviello. And I thought, wow, it's crazy how so many things come back full circle. Like today, I have a call with a new manager um, that I met 17 years ago when I was on the first season of Top Chef. And he said, I've paid attention to you. And one of the coolest things about you is that you have stayed quiet and you have just observed for a very long time. So for those of you who work with integrity, who are quiet, who are paying attention, who are taking notes and working with integrity and doing the right thing, there are plenty of people that see you and they are keeping an eye on you. And it is cool that you've been quiet and you've put your head down and you've worked really hard because you and I both know I could have spent the last five years pumping and grinding on social media, but instead I chose to do the latter or the better thing, if you will, in my opinion, which is write books that are profound, helpful, useful, and inspiring by telling my truth and the story of how I got to where I am now and how I got myself out of my own ego, my own addictions, and my own demons. And while this was not easy, and I'm still extremely afraid to come out with my seventh book, Spirited, we thought it would be more important and impactful to tell the story through an Audible original so that you could hear and feel the sincerity and authenticity in my voice. I hate that I have to even say that, (laughs) but since snake oil and con artistry and scamming seem to be the thing in wellness, um, I think it's really important to tell a story with honor and truth, grace and integrity, and no, I'll never use chat GPT or ghostwriter. Fuck both of those things. I think it's important that we tell stories, and it's the reason why I go to Nagasaki and I interview the survivors of the atomic bomb. It's the reason why I sit with my parents and I ask them questions about my ancestors and how they survived the war. It's the reason why I love my babcha, Helena, who came from Poland with nothing and started a family here on her own with my POW grandfather in Connecticut. And my father ended up living their dream and then he passed it on to me. You have a calling and you have a story to tell. And it is so much grander and greater than your thumbs could ever tell on social. So you can mark my words when the downfall of social and technology all happens. This is an important time for us to be futurists and to see the realization that these things are fleeting. They are not important. They can't go with you in the grave. And you certainly can't share that 
with everyone. It is a very narcissistic place to be and it is dangerous. And sometimes when you put all of your eggs into one basket, you will learn a deep and hard and fast lesson that that is a very bad idea. It may have been painful for me to never have gotten anything that I ever wanted over the last 20 years, but it's been great to sit back and sort of create my own business, my own security, my own newsletter, my own websites, and my own career path as an entrepreneur. It has not been easy not having a steady paycheck for 20 years, ever. Only one time did I fill out that 1099 or 1040 or whatever the fuck the form is for working at Home Shopping Network when I was 25. I will be 41 next month, and I will tell you this, I am so fucking grateful for all the hard times, for all the shit talking, for the people who talk shit behind my back, and for the people that told me no, and the people that laughed at me when I said that my calling was to create something different and to be a voice for my generation and to be a child of immigrants and to share with you how fucking difficult it has been to be the bigger person. And you know, my partner reminded me yesterday, who cares if you've worked with integrity? Who cares if you're a good person? Does that mean that you are more deserving of success than others? And he's absolutely right. No, it does not mean that. And it doesn't matter. And of course, there will always be shitty people and there will always be good people that end up making it in life. But I do have a story to tell. And the story itself is what makes for entertainment and it makes for relatability and it makes for connection in the heart space. And that is where I will always go because I can always fall back on my individual strengths of storytelling, writing, producing, directing, and sharing. And if you take away my social media accounts, I still have books. I have seven of them. If you include all the languages that they've been translated in, I have 17 of them. And I have the talent and the skill set to record, write, produce, and direct. And you can't take that away from people. Your skill set, your integrity, and your grace and your story are what will always set you apart or what will are what (laughs) sorry these are the fucking things that are going to set you apart from everyone else so just keep going i'm really excited because today i get to see rory wood jr host his first day on the daily show where they have the set of rotating hosts which should be a really good indicator that things have really changed that means we're seeing blacks latinos and asians going up to bat for this position on the daily show And let's hope even a female could fill those shoes. That is a really cool time to be alive. Although I feel that it is very slow and the progress has not been made very quickly, at least we are making progress. Remember that you can live to tell stories that nobody else has. So I hope you enjoy this gift of listening to the intro to my book, Spirited. Please sign up for my newsletter right now. Get a copy of this book on pre-order. It's free. You can just sign up for Audible and cancel it after 30 days. But sign up for Audible and listen to a couple of books and see the different stories that are being told by people like Dr. Wayne Dyer or Eckhart Tolle or even Anthony Bourdain. 
there are so many people, uh, Trevor Noah, they all tell their stories on Audible, and it is more profound listening to the actual author reading their own story. I hope you enjoy, and remember, this is just one out of 11 chapters that are a gift to you from me over the last five years of my worst of times and how I got through my own fucking demons. Enjoy the intro to Spirited, only on Audible Originals. Audible Originals presents Spirited, a modern guide to ancient spiritual wellness and wisdom. Written and performed by Candice Kumai. Introduction Spirituality, noun. Spirituality is the quality of being concerned with the human spirit or soul as opposed to material or physical things. The etymology of spirit derives from the Latin spiritus or breathing, as in respiration, and of the wind, also breath of a god. Hence, inspiration or breath of life. My mother is a Buddhist born in Japan, my father a devout Christian, He was born in Poland and immigrated to the U.S. on a boat when he was 11. Everyone who cared for my sister Jenny and I throughout our lives came from different places, from all over the world. My godparents were Mexican-American on one side, and my other godparents were from the Philippines. My parents' best friends were Jamaican and Swedish. Because of the diverse influences from my upbringing, I knew early on that acceptance was love. But in school at Carlsbad, California, a place where we were the only mixed and only Asian kids with immigrant parents in a predominantly white school, it was a whole different story. That's why while in kindergarten at age five in 1988, it was so revelatory when my mother and father packed my bags, pulled me out of class, and took my sister and I to Nippon, Japan. My tiny 80s high tops touched down first in Tokyo. That's where we were welcomed by all of my aunts, uncles, and cousins. It was the first time I was surrounded by people who looked like me. The feeling of this was indescribable, but one I still feel both in Hawaii and in Japan. It's like a sense of relief and relatability beyond mere words. It was also my first time on a bullet train, at Meiji Shrine, and at Shibuya Station, all on the same day. It was also the first time I laid eyes on Kyoto, a UNESCO World Heritage Site. I remembered it was empty. There were no tourists, no crazy tour buses, no selfie sticks, no packed lines. Kyoto was serene and quiet, a place of contemplation and respect. I've even got the photos to prove it thanks to my genius dad, who began documenting Japan as early as 1974. The temples of the 70s and 80s were full of lively prayers, chanting monks, and most importantly of all, peace. This all shaped my earliest experiences of spirituality. I learned how to pray to Buddha at age five. I stood at the base of the Golden Temple, King Kakuji, 
Rokuonji. I ate matcha sweets, known as washoku, and I devoured kitsune udon, a Kyoto staple. I finally felt that embrace of my grandparents and the smiles of my aunts and uncles. It was a time that I would never forget. At the main temple of our specific Buddhist practice, Nishi Honganji in Kyoto, I learned how to pray for others. I remember the intricate gold details, all of the artistry, the preserved statues of gold and stone on the temple grounds, the peaceful monks, the bells that we rang, the candles that we lit. I fully experienced meditation, Buddhist philosophy, and mindful spirituality through all five senses as a small child. We flew further south to mom's hometown island in southern Japan, Beppu Kyushu, where my grandma Bachan and my grandpa Jichan and great auntie Takuko taught me how to make miso soup with rice and pickles for breakfast. Savory foods for breakfast. My head nearly exploded as a little kid. I felt love, spirituality, and kinship in this place. And the beauty of Japanese culture, traditions, and Buddhism was instilled in my heart and mind, imprinting on my very young spirit. Well, at least for a little while. And then, as often happens, I returned to reality. I grew up, and as I grew, things became very real and very hard. A year after Japan, I traded the spiritual bliss of Buddhist mysticism and the sense of belonging I felt in Japan for being teased, most often simply for being Asian, in a predominantly white California elementary school. I felt a deep cutting pain from the teasing as early as first grade. I can remember vividly how my inner peace as a child was broken. This was my first memory tied to suffering. I let the beauty of what I learned in Japan start to be chipped away by somebody else's ideas. This is a pain that I still feel today, and I'm confident that many of you can relate. I share it with you simply as a reminder that together in our suffering, we are never alone. A few decades after meeting my family in Japan, I began to take these regular trips back to my mother's homeland for work. From journalism to documentaries, I felt like I was making all the right moves towards a successful career and adulthood. But the constant stress and unfulfilled feelings I experienced were bringing up more anxiety and depression. All of my friends felt it, and we talked about it. We laughed the stress off, or we drank it away. It was easy to divert myself from the panic I often felt by hustling even harder, keeping my head down, and doing the work. When I visited Japan, whether it was traveling solo or with my mom, I got to hit that reset button. I'd stay at the temples, practice all of my inner work with the monks, and let a deep inner peace settle into my body. But each time, it would not last. A few years ago, I was back on that treadmill cycle, struggling to make sense of my life. By this time, I'd built a career in the cooking and wellness space that most people would consider a success. I'd written six best-selling books, hosted numerous cooking shows, and had written or appeared in major publications ranging from Vogue to Cosmopolitan 
and I had a sizable social media following. And yet, no matter how high I climbed, I still felt unfulfilled. My schedule was packed, but my path was feeling more muddied and uninspired than ever. And it was worse when I got online. I felt a constant whirling anxiety in the face of omnipresent social distortion. I was spending way too much time comparing myself to others, wondering what should I be posting, deciding which photos to edit. Social media is about the worst thing that Buddha would have imagined for maintaining inner peace. I know so many of us struggle with feelings of self-worth when we are tricked into believing that everyone is living a perfect life, everyone except us, based only on what we see online. Are likes and followers really new forms of currency? I struggled with this for years. I was not spending enough time engaged in art, music, books, culture, travel, journaling, away from a device. All the things I knew I loved, things that fed me intellectually and creatively, but didn't carry currency or that brief dopamine rush of satisfaction that one gets from doom scrolling. During all of this, I held a massive amount of resentment with jobs, media, work, relationships, and friends. To carry this much, I suffered. And I didn't even see a way out, even though it was always right in front of me. I cannot be alone in this, I thought to myself. As I woke up dreading all of my obligations and those feelings of, I am never enough, I often daydreamed about that warm, welcoming feeling from my visits to Japan, the simplicity, the peace. I began to long for it. I remembered that all-enveloping sense of inclusion that I always got when I visited the temples and the monks. How I admired them. I learned from them, felt safe with them. Slow, slow, they always repeated. So I started to slow down. I started meditating again. I went back to Japan and spent more time there and began to get some clarity on how I was causing so much of my own suffering. I got lost on hikes in the isolated quiet mountains of Koyasan and Shikoku Island, where most days I didn't speak to anyone but the monks. I cried when I was riding alone. In the crisp winter months, in the freezing weather, I chanted with them at five and six in the morning, doing nothing but praying for others. It was glorious. Something shifted when I came back. I didn't just return to my normal everyday life. I began to carry these practices and perspectives with me and into my work. Through a commitment to a daily meditation practice incorporating daily gratitude and a commitment to weekly volunteer work and spending time in nature, I finally began to feel more free. I worked on myself and I realized I needed to let go of ideas and expectations I had about my own life. The men I thought I loved, the jobs I thought I wanted, and sadly, all of the friendships that did not sustain. They were not mine. I gave myself time and peace. I gave myself grace 
to let go of the things that were not meant for me. Coming back from my most recent trip, I slowly started making these changes, not just in how I thought, but in how I lived. I started to see how investing more time in offline activities, practicing honesty, enjoying the arts, culture, and nature could clear me from a lot of my blockages and my suffering. I slowly started following what I learned from Buddhism's Four Noble Truths, particularly the second truth, which teaches the concept of letting go. We'll touch more on these later. So much of what I've learned and shared in my previous books has been about wellness of the body and health and nourishing ourselves with delicious clean foods. I've written about my Japanese heritage and more recently my reconnection with Buddhism. Like in my podcast, Wabi Sabi, but this book is a bit more honest and revealing deeper dives into spirituality more than ever before. Because once I found my path, it helped me to let go of the bad entanglements, ideas, beliefs that I had held on to with a death grip for so long. And I want to help you to do the same thing in this audio production. My Japanese mother used to say, You know, Candice, life cannot be perfect forever. And as a little girl, I used to think that was a pretty sad point of view. But as I grew up, I understood that my mom was actually right. What my mother was trying to teach me was that sometimes life will exhaust you, tear you to shreds, and it maybe even crush you completely. But that riding out these waves is actually just a part of life. And in fact, it's the beauty of life. That we can live with the light and the dark parts and then learn to find harmony and balance. Because thinking that you're always going to live in the light is just not possible. It is not what life is. And learning how to accept and grow from life's challenges, that's where the real gifts can be found. To date, my journey as a wellness journalist has meant always showing readers my most radiant self. I want to note that I feel deeply privileged in my work and my life. And while I am profoundly grateful and aware of all of my privileges, as well as my humble beginnings, I also, like you, have a very dark side that I have not been able to express to the public until I was able to do the work and see the outcome from doing all of this work. After getting to the other side, which is still super difficult and embarrassing at times, I can now share my pain and my self-inflicted suffering with you in hopes that we can actually connect more deeply. While I was writing articles and regular columns for magazines and giving you health advice, being hired to shoot and write for multi-billion dollar brands all throughout the world, from Tokyo to Kyoto, Nagasaki, New York, and Los Angeles, as well as Africa, Australia, Paris, London, and Amsterdam, My lifestyle would have led anyone to believe I had it made. And it worked. I was known as the golden girl of wellness. This reputation itself was a trap, as everyone is a mix of the golden light and the pitch black dark. And no one can be light all of the time, nor should they attempt it, lest the subconscious parts of ourselves go untended. But inside, my body might have exuded health, but my mind definitely did not. 
I hid my worries, anxiety, all of my addictions, my financial pain points, my inner competitiveness, and my self-tormenting comparisons from you. Keeping up the facade of effortless happiness felt increasingly difficult, and over time, my dark side took over. Some days, it was hard to admit to myself that I had serious depression and I needed to stop running away from my darkness and start listening within. I began to ask myself, Candace, who are you to give advice when you yourself feel so lost? After nearly two decades of hustling to build my own businesses, I hid my emotional and mental burnout from everyone. What was really at the root of getting me to wake up to my own deeper self? It was a world of inner suffering, demons, and constant pressure I had bestowed on myself. It wasn't until I was alone, out of the city, where my life looked glossy and gorgeous on the outside, and unfulfilled, unhappy, and lost on the inside, that I realized I needed something to change. Like so many others, I was never satisfied with the present moment. I was always waiting to feel happy and fulfilled on some other side. That other side, it never came. What got me out of it was traveling back to Japan, to the place of my roots. It was there that I reconnected with the religion of my ancestors, Buddhism, and also with my extended family. I found a place that felt like home in more ways than one. It was a place that saved my spirit, or maybe just renewed the one that I thought that I had lost. I learned to let go of the Western mindset of fleeting perfection and external validation and guiding my business and my persona with the goal of flawlessness. Besides, like my mom said, life cannot be perfect forever. There are many practices in Japanese culture that teach us to celebrate life's transience, its imperfections, our grief, hardships, and the dark corners of ourselves that we typically try to hide from everyone. But our flaws are actually what make us so beautiful, what brings us our complexity and our nuance, and they are what grant us access to our spirit. Because once we learn to accept our own flaws and let go of our desire for perfection tied to our egos, we can finally open up new pathways to higher spiritual success. Now, before you freak out about the S word, spirituality, let's have a little talk. Spirituality is not religious. It is not sanctimonious or dogmatic. It's actually wild and free. A lot of people don't even know how to be spiritual, and others are looking for something to believe in without having to subscribe to one religion. Spirituality is so much simpler than all of that. It just starts with us. It's in us. It's something we can tap into and find guidance to find peace and understand things about ourselves and the world around us. Allow yourself to find your own spiritual calling and path it does not require a label. It is simply a gift that you give to yourself to find inner peace. And I'm here as a guide to help you to find your way. Well, me and my own teachers, particularly the ones that I found when I reconnected to Buddhism. And just like the S word, the B word, 
Buddhism is nothing to be afraid of here. I'm not trying to convert anyone to anything. Let's be very clear about that. But there are some amazing universal practices that come from this ancient religion, which we can all utilize to find a way to our best, most happiest and productive, fully realized selves. From finding your purpose and eliminating bad habits to deepening the understanding of your spiritual side, my goal is to guide you on a very realistic and relatable path to finding your inner spirit and listening to your specific calling. Accomplish your dreams with step-by-step actionable options. Recover from financial hardships and bounce back. Find deeper love and connections, even in your super messy relationships. Let go of anxiety and stress on most days and let go of the constant inner commentary. Be mindful when depression comes and care for and nurture your inner self. Love yourself fully and choose to live without comparisons or expectations. Gain more peace, more free time, and more spiritual love to share. Choose to see life from a different angle. Choose the spectrum of colors over the black and white by understanding that life is not one way or the other but rather an array of dimensionality. And finally, get really clear on what lasting freedom means in your life, realizing this is different for everyone. It doesn't matter who or what you pray to. The tenets of Buddhism can help you to follow a noble and honest path and commit to seeing the world and your role in it more clearly. So what is Buddhism? Well, it's not something that I can define for you in a single sentence, but here are some essential pieces of it. Buddhist practitioners know that happiness cannot be found in any future moment. It can only be found in the present and in letting go of the expectation of fulfillment from some other day or eventual goal. So many of us tire happiness to future plans. When I get the bonus, when I find the hot guy, when I get the new job offer, when I buy the new house. But as a result, we are left wanting. It's a disastrous cycle, so we have to learn how to live in the now. These ideas are encapsulated in the Eightfold Path, which are key teachings of Buddhism. It is believed that living by the Eightfold Path that we may pave the way to nirvana, If we revert back to this ancient path in our modern-day struggles, we can definitely find more inner peace in tiny steps. We can then practice these steps or simply lean into them as a form of daily self-care and inner work. The Eightfold Path is as follows. Number one, right understanding, acknowledging that suffering indeed exists, and understanding its presence in our lives— Acknowledging that the world is as it is. Letting go of the world we fear or the world that we envision and accepting life as it is in our present reality. Number two, right intent. Living with good intent through love and compassion. Number three, right speech. Being very honest by only speaking the truth. Number four, right action 
being mindful of others in this world, operating with honesty and never taking what is not rightfully yours, refraining from engaging in any harm to others or yourself. Number five, right livelihood. Choosing beautiful and helpful work, living to serve others selflessly. Choosing a career that doesn't harm others or yourself. Doing your part daily to help others with care, compassion, and selflessness. Number six, right effort. Being a good person, fostering wholeness, and continuously making an effort. Number seven, right mindfulness, watching yourself and being self-aware. Number eight, right concentration, practicing meditation to find an enlightened state of mind, more wisdom and inner freedom. It's important to note that many people think that they are speaking the truth, quote unquote, and it's possible that many truths do exist and we practice inner subjectivity in this world. The right way to look at this is to speak only from your heart and do the right thing. You can rewind here to play this back again so you can write down the Eightfold Path, place it on your desk or fridge as a daily reminder. If there are one or two of these practices you truly love, interweave them into your everyday life and you will be on your way to creating a clear path to freedom. This audiobook contains all the wisdom and insight that I wished I had when I was burning the candle at both ends in my life. I had been in front of a camera since the age of 15, modeling, hosting shows, and reporting on the news through age 40, and writing for much of that time. I've always tried to be very real with my followers and my audiences, but not quite like this. That's because it took me a very long time to get very real with myself, to stop letting my ego steer the ship. The shift back to spirituality, to listening to my inner guides, the recommitment to the principles that I had learned in Kyoto and Kyushu, Japan, they all had made a difference. It's what enabled me to change, and I want to be able to channel these energies to help you to change too. It feels like the exact right time for us to be looking back at these ancient practices, doesn't it? And applying them to our modern day lives. In this era of post-pandemic and hate speech and anxiety, the clamor for inner peace has grown louder than ever. People are finally realizing the limits to outside distraction and busyness. And while it's not about disengaging with the very real and serious issues faced in the world, in fact, this audiobook is very much more about giving back and participating in volunteerism and using your voice. It's also about knowing how to access your inner peace and fulfillment. It's about finding the path to better mental health and life balance and carving the way to incorporate more gratitude and joy into our lives so that we can spread that joy to others and put our best foot forward as human beings in this world. The answer to lasting peace isn't in holy water. Sorry, guys, it's not in a wellness salve either. As I've painfully learned on my own, the answer is actually in changing our own minds. 
It's an ongoing process. But there's relief for that restless anxiety we all feel inside of us. It will take practice, reflection, and a dose of good humor. This production will encourage you to stop looking around for answers and start looking within. And it'll do so without requiring you to give up all of those earthly possessions without buying expensive wellness treatments or hopping a plane to a meditation retreat. Mental clarity is as simple as understanding the true root of our suffering and practicing daily reminders so we never forget again. I'll help to guide you, so don't worry, we're going to do this together. We will unblock and release all that shit holding you back. I hope that this audiobook will be a bomb for anyone struggling to understand life's purpose, fed up with feeling constant chaos and anxiety, and tired of living up to outdated societal norms and social expectations. I wrote this book for me and for you. Because what could be more beautiful than holding hands, taking deep breaths, and slowly taking these steps, all while revealing the colorful possibilities that life holds for you and doing it together? With love, Candice. P.S. I'm afraid. Are you afraid? And if you're afraid too, it's okay, because with the intent that we hold together, it's honest and it's pure, like the stardust that we're all made of. And guess what? Nobody is watching us and nobody is judging. So let's let go and come as you are. You are right where you're supposed to be in this very moment. Gosh, can you hear how high quality this book is going to be compared to my gritty self-made podcast, cheapo home recordings with pillows all around me? (laughs) Well, you guys are fucking awesome. It did take forever to write, record, edit, produce, rewrite, re-record, reproduce, recut this lovely book, Spirited. But I know that you appreciate the finer things in life that take a little bit longer like fine wine or aged sake or miso paste or anything made with koji things just get better with time so we can't forget that shiny new things might be cool or insta this or insta that but i think that life is going to be about these high highs and low lows and i'm not Well, I am afraid to reveal a lot about myself, but I'm also not going to be afraid because I know it will help you and I connect on a deeper level together and that our trust will continue to build. So I will ask of you to please write a five-star review for this podcast if you haven't already or share it with two different friends and get them ready for the Audible original. It drops in three weeks on April 27th. So that is a Thursday in the last week of April. Um, It did take an astronomical amount of help, support, and people to rely on, especially through the financial and emotional hardships, addictions, and past relationships that have been really crazy. So if you are that person that is in need of a reset or somebody to guide you along the way that's already been through the gauntlet and back, 
please listen to Audible Originals Spirited. It will do you very good, I promise. In the meantime, sign up for my newsletter, please. It is juicy. We may even launch a premium one. And I will let you guys know that we are hiring an affiliates manager. That position is still available. And we are hiring somebody who works with ConvertKit or who sets up websites really beautifully. So please write to me at info at and drop me a resume if you're interested. We would like to hire immediately. Thank you for your time. And I'm always grateful, although not perfect, sometimes a total C-U-N-T and a bad person. But my goodness, am I here to be honest with you about my journey and how it's been fucking nuts. But better than any chat GPT story, I'll leave that one to my cat. If he ever wanted to write a book, he could use chat GPT. I love you guys. Have a great week signing out from Brooklyn, New York. And keep going. And remember that everyone is living a facade with a fake, fake mask in front of themselves. And it's not until we take down these walls and share our story that we will become who we truly are supposed to be and feel a little bit more comfortable in our own skin. Keep doing the good things. Keep fighting the good fight. And even if it doesn't matter, be a good person. Because that probably will matter in the next life. Somebody is always taking notes. See you guys soon and have a fabulous week. Thank you for listening. Sayonara.